Blog Talk Radio. since our, our tour was cut short. Right, unfortunately, like everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, how like does, so how does a guy in Canada wind up hooking up with the band Chicago, from Chicago? Well, there's a lot of uh, rumor and myth and conjecture about how it actually took place, but uh, I guess the, the short story is that uh, there were some videos circulating on YouTube uh-huh. Of me doing of me doing various things with various groups, and um, the band was on tour, I think in Canada at the time. And uh, oh wow! While they were on the tour bus, somebody you know after hours, there's lots of time to kill in the tour bus when you're winding down. Somebody brought uh, me to the attention of uh, of some of the guys in the band, mm. and uh, I guess they had been contemplating a change and uh so i guess it was would have been december of 2016 or 2017 i was sitting in a restaurant in new york on broadway and i was contacted and uh it kind of uh unfolded from there now did you place um peter satara or jason chef well, uh, I guess neither, really, because uh, after Peter, uh, who left in the 1980s, right, uh, came J- came Jason, and Jason was in the band for more than okay. 20 years. 
Right. Okay. And, and he's a you know both great talents, of course. Mm-hmm. And then after after Jason left, a, a gentleman by the name of uh, from Florida named Jeff Coffee came in for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, for various reasons, um, uh, that that ran its course. And then I was contacted in the fall of twenty uh, twenty seventeen. Uh, I got contacted by uh, by one of the uh, the principal the founding members who asked me if um, I'd like to join. And uh, I had already sort of established a relationship with some of the guys. I'd done some guest appearances with them. And, you know, we knew we all got along like gangbusters, which is kind of half the battle, you know, when you're, right, when you're touring exactly. and traveling as much together. So, right. And it's uh, it's been a great especially, blessing. Especially when you're replacing somebody, it's hard to fit in, you know, that niche. you got to get in there and be accepted and, you know. So, yeah, this is it. Yeah, you got it's called they call it they refer to it some people do as the bus factor, you know, because oh, wow. you actually spend probably more time on the tour bus traveling than in any other location. So right, right. yeah, you've got to be easygoing and you got to, you know, get along with everybody. And right. uh yeah, so it, it it's worked out great. I can't believe I've never seen Chicago and uh unfortunately, I've never seen you until I started looking you up and my God, you are fantastic. I mean, your, your vocals are just phenomenal. You have four-octave range? Yeah, yeah, about a four-octave range. Nice, and, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, Th- thanks for the compliment. Yeah, it's, yeah um, well, you sound just like Chicago, so, you know, I mean, well, anybody, yeah. is, you know, I don't think people would know the difference if they went to see you guys. I don't think they know the difference. Well, it's funny, you know, we were uh, we were doing a show, a television show in L.A. a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, Marie Osmond and Sharon uh, Osborne wow. uh, were on the show, and they both came up and they said lovely things to me. And the, but I guess the greatest compliment was, you know, exactly what you said. You you sound like you've always been in the band. You know, it's exactly. it's a really good it's a good fit. So right. that's kind of the best thing I can hear. You know, right. Well, like I said, I'm fortunate for me that I've never seen Chicago before. I don't know why. I mean, I love the band. I mean, they've been around since what '69 and I, yeah, the first album, the first album came out in 1969, and uh, but the band was formed in 1967. Right. So and, you know, a long tour, time. They tour relentlessly. Yeah. How I could not see them yes. is beyond me. Is beyond never, me. So, never missed a year of touring. In, in, yeah. uh, this is the 50, 53rd year. Wow. Um, yeah, they're they're uh, you know they're just fifty three years. Wow. Fifty three years, yeah. Mm. Better than mm. uh, better than a hundred million records sold around the world. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. Go ahead, on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I uh, was going to say. Something. You know, they they just the band continues to get these you know awards and accolades, and, and you know of mm-hmm. course this year they got um, the band was in, is being inducted into the Grammy uh, Hall of Fame. Um, That's not the Hall of Fame. Group. Lifetime Achievement Award, I'm sorry. Well, it's about time. Yeah. It is. And it's so funny but how they've always they've always acclimated to the different sounds every 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 decade or whatever, you know how music changes. It's cyclical, of course, but you know yes. uh, how you know they've always adapted to the and, and you know what? It, I can't even say they've adapted. It's just a, if it's a good song, it's a good song. It doesn't matter, you know, what style it is, but I mean, they they in the 80s they came out with tons of uh, of a lot of mellow stuff which was great and uh, did very well with it. So, I mean, just continued to just shine from the 60s. It's just amazing, you know? Yeah, but well, that's, you know, that's kind of one of the, you know, beyond you know, the, the, the classic stuff from the first couple of records. Um, you know, the right. big ballads from the 80s are, are right. enormously popular in concerts. You know, they get right. they get huge, a huge response every single night. Right. And uh, so now you were a fan of Chicago, obviously who's not, but I mean, so as a fan of Chicago, what was, what was like one of your favorite songs as a fan? And, and did you have to pinch yourself when you joined the band or what? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it's, you know, as you can well imagine, it's a bit of a surreal experience, you know, because this kind of, this kind of came out of the blue. I had no inkling that this was going to happen. Right. I had made, uh, you know, a very, uh, I've, I've had a good career as a, as a session singer and musician uh, for like many you, years. You've done 10,000 sessions. Who else have you yeah, sang with? 
Yeah, more than 10,000 recording sessions in my so career. Who, who very else fortunate. Yeah, who else have you sang with? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I, most of the work that I've done has been on, um, you know, in commercials and advertising was was a lot of it. But I worked with uh, A. M. Murray and uh, a couple of Canadian bands. One called Triumph. I mean, I've heard uh, actually, I, yeah, I actually worked on a Rush record at one point on one oh, song wow. many years ago. And uh, you know, just a uh, a real a real long list of, of you know when the phone would ring, you would you would go. Right. And, right. Uh, well, that's your job. That, that's your job. Yeah, and the phone used to ring. You know, through the through the eighties and nineties, it, it rang a lot. There yeah. was a, there was a lot going on. So I kept, I kept very busy at that. And then I had, you know, I, I was writing myself and recording and, and had little side projects here and there. So it kept me very busy. And, uh, you know, it, I continued to evolve as a writer and a performer and a singer. Mm. And, uh, but going back to your original question, um, the one, the song that always comes to mind for me is was off the first record. And it's actually the first song I do uh, every night. It's called Question 67 and 68, hmm. which is off the very first Chicago record, which when the band was called Chicago Transit Authority. Right, and that was, a, that was a song by written, written by Robert Lamb, who is one of the founding members and, of course, is still in the band and still sounding amazing. Right. Wow. Wow. So now you guys have toured with Foreigner, I believe, haven't you? Yeah, the band toured with Forder some years ago, and the band no, you toured with them. us. You yeah, they, them, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, that was before my time. I mean, you uh-huh. know, Beach Boys, America, uh, Doobie Brothers, Earth, Wind, and Fire several times. Wow. And and this year, you know, we uh, you know we're all sort of hoping and praying that we can it'll still take place, but of course it's subject to how things play out. Uh, we're exactly. supposed to be touring with uh, um, Rick Springfield this year. Right, I saw that. Yeah, wow. but who who knows at this point in time. Right. You know, we'll all well, have to. I saw you also did a Thomas the Train uh, songs as well. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, once again, you know, where the phone rang. It was uh, a producer from L.A. had come up to Toronto and uh, – they asked me to uh, to sing this this particular song from that movie. Uh, yeah, my, my, yeah, my kids I, my kids were huge Thomas the Train fan. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was when, when my boys were young, that was a highlight because uh, you know we got invited to the premiere of it, so wow. I got to take them to that. You know, and uh, but I've worked on a, a lot of different movie soundtracks over the years, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of kids things. Now, what about um, what about your what about your own uh, albums? Uh, what what would we know out there, and how how could we get our hands on them? Well, you know, with, with the state of the business that it is, you know, and, and as as busy as I I've been in the last number of years, uh, I haven't recorded uh, that much. Although just a couple of months ago, I I was in recording a few things. So, um, and because I don't have the time right now to do it, I'm going to be re-releasing a record that I released probably more than 10 years ago that got remixed. And uh, we're just going to add a few new songs to it over the next, over the coming months and re-release that. That's a record. It's called um, We Are Here. And how that that had to do 10 years ago. Yeah. But, you know, the songs are, you know, it it was mostly, uh, well, probably about half and half, half cover songs and half songs that I'd written. Mm. And uh, you know that's a lot of people have been doing that these days, and they've been they've been re-recording uh, songs that are well known because it's difficult to get original material played. Oh, on a radio, radio. Come on. of course. Yeah. Now, nowadays yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't yeah. play anything now. <laughs> exactly. Hey Neil, yeah, I got a question for you. Yeah. Yeah, Hey Neil. I want to yeah. know how you how did you start out? Were you in high school? Were you a singer? Were you in the band in high school? How, how did you get into uh, singing and playing instruments? And eventually, how did you get to be a sessions musician? Because you have to be really fantastic to be a sessions musician, and I'm sure that that's the case for you. How did it all start? Well, that's that's a really good question, you know. And, and when I tell people, when I answer it, a lot of people are are, are quite surprised. 
there was no music in my family anywhere. In wow. fact, rather than being rather than being encouraged to to do music when I was a teenager, uh, I was discouraged from doing it. It was just so foreign to my to my parents, especially my father, who was a, a French Canadian police officer. Mm. Well, and, music, uh, only, music only leads to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Neil. That's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> so, for some reason, when I was in, in grade school, um, I guess in grade four, uh, there was a choir that formed in the, in the elementary school I was in, and um, you had to audition to be in it, and I decided I wanted to be in the choir. So there was only me and one other boy in about a 40 or 50 boys choir. Mm. And then when I got to, uh, to high school... Um, you know, there was a, a band forming in high school, and I had begun to play the guitar. And uh, some a friend of mine said, you know, this, this band is looking for a singer. You know, why don't he'd heard me sing along with songs in the car, you know, in, in right. his car. And uh, so I auditioned for that, and, and uh, we did a few jobs. And then, you know, uh, after that, another band came along when I was in high school, and, and that band had horns in it. And mm. that's when I first, you know, discovered Chicago. So we were playing Chicago music and anything that had horns in it, we would we would play. Right. And then when I went to university, I kind of worked my way through university in a local band there. Mm. And, and now, uh, are, you, are, just, you just, are you just a singer, Neil, or you also play? I play. Yeah, I play. What I do play you, a bit what of do you play? And guitar. Oh, nice, nice. And uh, I used to. Uh, I at one time I played trumpet and saxophone many years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I still actively play the guitar, and I write a little bit on keyboards, but my instrument is mostly guitar. Your instrument is mostly your voice. Uh, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> well, I yeah, guess let's, that's let's, true. Let's go back to that, yes, I said, yes. <laughs> I stand correctly. I stand yes, correctly. Yes, yes. And so now, oh, my gosh, so how did they find you? I mean, like John said, like how did that, to be a session musician, I mean, you really got to be the bomb. So how did they, how'd they seek you out? Well, did I was you, originally. Did you? I was originally from. I'm originally from Montreal. Right. And uh, when I when I returned to Montreal from from university, um, a friend of mine, a guy who I went to university with, was working as a copywriter at a radio station in Montreal. And mm. one of the one of the guys he was working with had a little jingle company there. Ah. And he knew me from university in, in a band I played there. And he said, you know, why don't you get in touch with this guy? So he put me in contact with him. So in Montreal, I started doing commercials. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was actually working uh, as a lab technician uh, in Montreal. And mm-hmm. uh, when the, uh, uh, some tough economic times came and I was laid off. And I ended up in Toronto where there was quite a, uh, quite a busy uh, session uh, scene going on here. Right. And over time, over time, I, I got established here. It, it took several years because it was very competitive here. Right. Have uh, you ever worked with yeah. Celine Dion or no? I, I haven't. I haven't worked with Celine. Uh, although, oddly enough, uh, uh, I know I know, do know people that, that work with her. Mm. You know, it's one of those situations where I, I know a lot of people who work with a lot of different artists who tour with a lot of different artists, but you, you rarely get to, you know, because we're always traveling, we're always busy. You rarely get to meet or see these other people, you know. Right. So on on the Rush uh, stuff, were keys or not vocals? Keys. No, it was it was vocals. I was part of a vocal really? group for I think, yeah, it was one song, and I and I can't even tell you what record it, it was, uh, but it would have been, gosh, maybe early '90s, maybe something like that. I I don't know. I don't know their catalog. I'm a I'm a big fan, but I don't know their catalog all that well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last album I bought of theirs was Farewell to the Kings and kind of like fell off from there. Not that I didn't like them anymore. I just, you know, didn't. Uh, I, I, once I started playing their stuff on, on Top 40, I, I didn't care for it. Like, I don't know. Was it, I like their regular, you know, their, their more intense stuff, you know. They're more yeah. involved stuff. So not, the, yeah. not the commercial that they, that they put on uh, radio and everything, but uh, right. you know, I, I was glad to finally see them make it though to radio because they had such a huge fan base and everything. And uh, rest in peace to Neil Peart, one of the greatest drummers to ever ever touch the skins. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
passed away. Really, absolutely brilliant. A huge loss to the... Oh, definitely. And and just yeah. an amazing sounds for three guys. And that's why I asked because I don't recall ever hearing any background vocals. So I mean, you didn't do lead. Did you do lead or background? No, no. It was like I said, it was part of a vocal group on one track. Uh yeah, I even remember the studio. It was a place that uh, doesn't exist anymore called McClear Place. Mm-hmm. That studio everybody from Stevie Winwood, lots of people recorded in that studio, you know, over wow. the years. But like, yeah. a, you know, a lot of the major recording studios that they don't exist anymore, unfortunately. Okay. Have you ever worked with Alanis Morissette as well, or no? Yeah, I I actually did work with Alanis. Oh, cool. Now I'm thinking of all uh, these Canadian musicians. That's why. <laughs> but the the curious thing about Alanis, I worked with her just before she kind of broke internationally. Wow. She, she before a lot of people don't know she's from Ottawa, Canada originally, mm-hmm. and she had um, she had a career as a sort of a, a dance pop artist here on right. a small scale before she hooked up uh, with Russ uh, in the in in Los Angeles and you know Jagged Little Pill came out was produced which right. kind of became just you know enormous but yeah she's she's a sweetheart yeah you know, we worked she- on it. We worked on a record. I did my background vocals with I think they're doing a play, Jagged Little Pill. Is that? Am I wrong or? No, I, I think you're right. I think I did hear something about that. Yeah. That should be. But I she mean, knows the, her songwriting is phenomenal, unbelievable. Oh yeah, and mm. you know she's uh, she's just a sweet, really just a lovely person too. That's right. you know that. Yeah, I, I remember uh, very fondly the, the session that we were on together, uh, and uh, right. yeah, she's 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 lovely. So you're taking a break right now, I guess, with everything going on. You're taking a break at the moment, and so when things get back uh, into motion again, where can we see Chicago's first performance? And how are they going to make these shows up? Do you have any idea? Well, right now, I'm, a lot I'm of curious. Shows I'm curious know. for all the all the acts out there that are, that are missing out right now. I'm curious how they're going to make up all these shows. How are you, how are you guys going to do it? Gosh, you know that's that's once again that's a question that's a tough one to answer. Um, according to what I've heard through our management, uh, a lot of the the shows that were postponed because um, we were supposed to actually be back out in the world right now. Uh, the shows that have been. Uh, uh, postponed in April and May have been moved to the end of the year. Because wow. generally the band the band goes and, you know, by by the time we get to sort of middle of October, perhaps early November, we're done for the year. That's when the touring year ends. I think right. the way they've got it structured now, all things being equal, uh, you know, these dates will be made up and will take us well into December. And I, I don't know about the summer tour yet. You know, we're all uh, remaining hopeful that then perhaps that can still take place, but that right. that starts in the middle of June, so we'll have to wait and see how things unfold. Right, right. Uh, are your kids Chicago fans? I don't know how old they are, but are they Chicago fans or no? Well, are you a fan, Josh? Are you a Chicago fan? I got my uh, my older son here. He's just uh, bringing in some takeout, and he's a fan. And uh, okay, so so what was it like for them when you when they? How was your uh, any of your family? I mean, how did they react? to you? said, "Oh my God, I'm going to be singing with Chicago. Can you believe this?" You know. Yeah, well, that's that's you know been the consensus among you know most of my my family and and friends. You know, uh, of course, a lot of people that I haven't seen or heard from in many many years came out of the woodwork to say thank you and you know and congratulate me and. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I had a lot of great, you know, wonderful messages from people, not only friends and family, but people all over the world, you know. And, uh, right. You know, I work with uh, I work with Roger Hodgson from Supertramp every year. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he's a very good friend of mine. And uh, I just did some shows with him in October, actually, when we were off for a bit. Mm. So, you know, mm. him, him amongst a few other people, uh, you know, Ann Murray's been very supportive. Uh, David Foster wrote me a very lovely letter, you know, people like that. So I've got some uh, some great friends, you know, uh, in the business who have been very supportive of me. And uh, I'm really, I'm just very grateful for, for everything. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you've had a wonderful career, which is fantastic. So uh, if anybody wants to give a call and uh, talk to Neil before we uh, jump over to Rick, 
<clears throat> please give us a call, excuse me, at 646-478-0999. So, Neil, now that you're home, what are we working on? Just relaxing? Are you putting stuff together? Or are you just going to wait and see what's going on? Well, it's a, it's a bit of both. You know, I'm just trying to uh, keep myself positive and, and stay in shape. You know, I like to, I like to work out. And, of course, now I, I can't do any of that outside of the house. But I just, um, I've been on a little bit of a writing thing. I just, uh, I've written something new today that I'm, I'm kind of happy about. And, uh, uh, you know, we were doing, a, the band was doing a little uh, uh, a Zoom uh, uh, interview yesterday with, uh, with NBC uh, oh, in cool. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the seeds have already been planted to, to do some more recording. Everybody, everybody's kind of... Uh, itching to get back into the studio because there's so right. many creative minds, you know, in, in the band. Oh, now. it's a huge band. It's a huge band. Oh, they're yeah. huge. There's so it's many members like that. And, and, you know, the Christmas record that came out uh, last fall uh, showed that, you know, virtually everybody in the band has writing capabilities because there were contributions from, from every corner. Oh, they were so new I Christmas every, They were yeah, new Christmas a, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it came out and it was released, I believe, in early November. Right. So um, I, I think that, you know, that's going to happen, too, uh, sooner than later. You know, and, and the good thing about, about that, of course, is we can, because of the technology and Zoom and other things and FaceTime, we can we can write, you know, from in together uh, from different places. Right. It's amazing what so we can do now. So the creative day. process, the creative process will, will continue in some way, shape, or form. Right. Cool, cool. Well, if there's anything you'd like to uh, let the people know where they can get in touch with you or find out more information about you, if you want to share it with us, I mean, please do. Yeah, well, sure. They can, you know, they can sur- sure look me up on Facebook. I have a personal page and a fan page. Um, mm-hmm. If they want to contact me, that's that's fine through there, and also through Instagram. Uh, just to make sure that people know the last name is spelled D O N E L L because it's very common. For people to put two ends. Oh, and, I, uh, I had yeah, I, I have just, two ends. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll have to fix that. But I just wanted to uh, to wish everybody well. Uh, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, it's it's the family of, of man and women, and you know we have to look out for each other and do whatever we need to get through this. And we will get through this. And, and yes, we will. I'm, I'm 100% confident that at the other end of this, um, you know, there's going to be a great big party. We're all going to celebrate. That's what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. Huge, celebrate. huge celebration. Yeah. Everybody's going to be so happy. You kidding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we all have to just pull together and, and, and be one and look out for each other. And, and do and do what's necessary to get us through this time, and we will. We absolutely will. I have yes, complete faith and hope that that's going to happen. And I, I also also want to give a shout out to all the fans, the Chicago fans. We love you, and uh, I want to tell you our, that your faith in us and your appreciation and your support is something that we think about every single day. And uh, the, the band Chicago is is a great big family. And um, and and we're we're very grateful, and we we love you, and we want you to take care of yourselves. Yes, and you'll be back before you know it. You bet. You yeah. bet. Neil, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it, and uh, you you stay well, and uh, you know, make some amazing stuff for us, and we can't wait to hear more from you guys, and especially if there's a new album coming out. That'd be fantastic. Oh, my God, a new Chicago album. I can't believe that. When was the last album? I don't even know when the last album was. The last studio record, that you know, other than the Christmas record that came out last year, was out about four years ago. Oh, okay. I'm thinking 10 years as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was about four, four or five years ago now. And it had some great songs on there. And, uh, you know, it's it's, like I said, it's, it's just tough nowadays to get things get things played but um i really appreciate the the time with you thank you so much for having me on and john thank you thank you thank you so much i i got one last question for neil yeah hey neil what did you order from takeout (laughs) what (laughs) 
<laughs> your, your son brought you takeout. We want to know what you're eating. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I didn't know he had the takeout. It, it's yeah, ramen. There, there's an amazing oh. ramen place uh, not far from where I live, and my son is just uh, he's a uh, he, he loves ramen, so he made the run. Uh, and him and I are uh, he's into his right now. It's fantastic. So a nice and healthy, a nice and healthy. Oh, enjoy your ramen. Well, you stay well. Yeah, stay well. You guys. And thank Thanks. you again. All right, everybody. Okay. Now, Neil Janelle from, from Chicago. Say, take care, Neil. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ann. Thanks, John. Bye-bye now. Bye, honey. Bye-bye take now. Care. Oh, that was great. I, I really wish that the, this would end quickly to get these bands back out there. And, you know, the, the musicians are uh, struggling big time. And, uh, you know, other than everybody else, you know, restaurants and whatnot. I mean, everybody's having a hard time. So, do we have Rick on the phone, John? We certainly do. Rick. Hello, Rick. You're on the air. Hi, John. Hi, Joanne. Hey, Rick. Welcome to the show. All right. How's he doing? Thank okay. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Let me just let everybody know you're here. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Wills from Foreigner and every other band under the sun, but basically <laughs> from a Foreigner. So thank you, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Rick. We appreciate oh. it so much. You're welcome. I'm just going to, you know, just try and cheer people up a little bit. I think everybody's getting a little bit stir-crazy at the moment. Exactly, and we appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, putting a smile on people's faces as your fans oh. love to hear from you guys. So, you know, I, and I, I do, too. Well. I, I enjoy it thoroughly. So, oh, so Good. So it's nice to know you're a fan, Joanne. Oh, I always am. Yeah, you're kidding. I, I love everything. So, let's go when now you guys were in the middle of touring when everything went to hell too, right? I mean, or, so what's going yeah. on with you guys? I mean, I I don't go out on the road all the time, but I try and do some shows each year. And uh, we went up to the Midwest and we started out in Davenport, um, and you know the show went great. And the next night we went over to uh, Milwaukee again, and the show was fantastic. And from there, we started getting our doubts. We were having doubts about whether we could carry on because this thing was just getting, you know, bigger every day. Mm. So, uh, you know, we got to our next venue and they said, hey, we can't carry on. We've got to cancel. We've just got to, you know, go home and be safe and stuff. So, you know, it, that's how it all ended. I mean, we just went out. We were doing great. And then suddenly, boom, gone. How many more shows uh, did you have? How many more shows were pending? Oh, well, I mean, I was going to do like another eight or ten shows with the guys, you know, because wow. the, the current band that are out there, I mean, the relationship between the original guys and this band is so good. And we right. love playing with them because they're just the best musicians. And Kelly Hansen is just a fantastic front man. Mm. And, uh, you know, the people love love to see the band, the current band, but they also love to see the original members if they come out. So that's what happens. Of course. Well, well, is Lou, uh, he's still ill, or I guess, is he not returning ever again, or we don't know? We're not sure. I mean, Lou has been through so much with his, oh, know. Uh, you know, been... situation with his brain tumor. Yeah. It was just awful. Right. It's, a, it's a miracle that he's still alive and we still have it, thank God. Right, right. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a thing about, you know, as we get older, these things get more difficult to deal with, and our right. health is obviously very important to us. So right now, I mean, really, Al Greenwood and myself are more likely to be out on the shows with Mick Jones when he's okay because he's been going through some issues as well with his heart and one mm-hmm. thing and another. Right. So we're trying to do our best because we, you know, we're very aware of the fans that complain about the fact that we're not there as originals. Well, you've got to remember, 40 years ago, yes, we were young and able. We could do this. Yeah. We never thought in our wildest dreams that we would still be playing not, never, not a lot of foreigner songs, but you know, people still wanting to come and hear foreigner songs. Right. Well, so, you know, it's it's it, 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 it's not a big deal. I mean, you guys sound exactly the same. So, I mean, I know you, people want to see the originals, but you want to, you want to hear the music, and the, the music sounds fantastic. Exactly. I mean, that's what these guys are so good at. I mean, all of them, all everyone on that stage is is absolutely brilliant. And right. that's why I love coming out and doing the shows with them when I can, because I know it feels like just it's just like a comfort zone that right. we can, uh, you know, p- appear together and have fun. I mean, it is fun, too, genuinely, you know. Right. Wow. I mean, you, and you've also, my God, you've been Peter Frampton, 
bad company. Uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, you were uh, Leonard Skinner. I mean, I like, it's almost you're, embarrassing, you're, really. You're, you're like shit. You're all over. You're like shit. You're all over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've had a great. I've, I've had a great time. I mean, I really have. I've been so fortunate in the way things just turned out for me. I mean, I grew up in Cambridge in England and wanted to be in a band so bad because I love the guitar and I love the idea of being in a rock and roll band because, you know, what was going on around me was so much music. And then a guy called David Gilmore came into my life who also yeah. lived in Cambridge. And, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious he was going somewhere very special yeah. one day. Yeah. So... Off we went to Europe and started out in Spain first in 66 and then ended up in Paris in 67. And that's when I first met Mick Jones, funnily enough. Well, why, know, did you, who, why, why did you not stay with David and, and do the Floyd thing? I mean, what made you change well, your mind? Well, the Floyd were already a fact. I mean, they were already out and they were happening. But right. Sid Barrett, their main guy, had really overdone it on acid and was very damaged by it. So they kind of, say, coerced David into joining the band at first with Sid. And then as they were doing shows all over England, they one day forgot to pick up Sid, basically. And they just carried on with David. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't blame them, can you? I mean, he's rather good. No, no. Right, no, no, he said that. Oh, my God, David Gilmore, I mean, forget it. Oh, my God. I mean, and, just... then, and, then you, and then you met Mick in, in England as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, after I met him in Paris, um, I was doing some sessions for Peter Frampton on his mm. first solo album after he left mm. Humble Pie. And we did a session at Island Studios in Notting Hill Gate in London. And I got to the studio to do the session, and Mick Jones was there. And I said, hey, Mick, how are you doing? He said, well, I've, you know, he got to know Peter because actually Mick brought Peter and Steve Marriott over to Paris to do some sessions for Johnny Halliday. That's how that came about. Oh, wow. And um, we did this track called All I Want to Be, and mm. it just turned out so good. I mean, it's one of my favorite Peter Frampton tracks, in fact. Mm. And, you know, it's, it, it, we did that in, I think it was in one, one take. It was just, we didn't even know this. Obviously, I'll show you the chords. And we we're just going to go for it. And Kelly, Mike Kelly, the drummer, counted it in, and we just did it. And to this day, I listen to it. I think, wow, how did we do that in one take? It just sounds so good. Well, that's when you know but, it's a good song, and you got talented people working with you, you know. So I guess, yeah. I mean, it wasn't long after that, Peter said, "I think I'm going to put this band together called Francis Camel, which is what we were called originally, uh -huh. before we started coming over to the states." And um, you know, from there, it just it just went on. I mean, we worked our butts off for about two and a half, three years, touring America, opening for Jay Giles, for everybody, Fog Hat, you name it. We we opened right, for right. everybody. Right. You know, it oh, was we great. Got, it was a, we have uh, Fog Hat coming up. Uh, when do we when do we have him coming on? Oh God, you probably know him. Oh geez, what's his name? Hold on. Oh, <laughs> you probably know him. Oh, what's his name? Oh, bear with yeah. me. I'm sorry. I always I, I always don't ask me why I have the calendar a mile away. And I don't know why I do that. So we have Jeff Howe. That's Howell. okay. Yeah, yeah, you know Jeff. Good. Good. You know, so, and that's just how it went. I, you know, I was with Peter until, I guess, what, 75. And then, you know, I just kind of drifted out of that band. And I found myself kind of out of work for a while. Mm. And I was helping a friend build a house up in North London for something to do. And I went to see Paul McCartney and Wings at uh, Hammersmith Odeon. And after the show, we were all sitting in the, in the bar all together having drinks and stuff. And this lady who I knew worked for Roxy Music, and she said, Rick, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of in between jobs at the moment, <laughs> to put it mildly. And she said, well, would you like to audition for Roxy Music? And I sort of went, really? Roxy Music? That's not really where I'm at, you know. Yeah, yeah. And she said, no, it's, it's a good gig. You know? I said, oh, I know, I know what they're doing. Right. They had a new album out called Siren, and uh, so I went and auditioned, and there was a bunch of bass players there. I was very surprised they chose me, but they did. I think, you know, just, I guess I fitted. And the next thing I knew, I was on a plane to America and opened in, in Detroit with a band I'd never even rehearsed with. I just learned the songs from the records, you know. And mm. It was a good experience. I enjoyed yeah. it. They were lovely guys, lovely guys. Yeah. How was it working? Hey, Rick, I got a question for Rick. Sorry. 
Yeah, go ahead. Hey, okay. You just said you you you, you kind of learned as you were playing with them. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, joining these all these different bands, uh, how much of the music did you already know, and how mm. difficult was it for you to pick up the songs and just go on stage practically the next night with these guys? Um, well, I've always had the knack of being able to listen to something and pretty much be able to play it pretty quickly afterwards. Um, mm. That's kind of what happened with Roxy because I said, "When do we rehearse?" And he said. Well, to be honest, Rick, we don't really like rehearsing that much. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to send you all our records and you can listen to it at home. We'll give you a list of what we're going to do. And, you know, we'll see you at Heathrow Airport, basically. And that's what happened. So the first night I ever played with them in Detroit to about 8,000 people, I was the first one to walk on stage and I had to start a song. There's a song on Siren that starts with a bass part. It goes, dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, like that. Yeah. And I'm standing there thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Because, <laughs> you know, I'd never played with them before. And they all come on with their, they were all dressed up like Roxy, though, you know, and I was just there in my, you know, just regular pants and shirt. And I thought, this is the most odd thing, but it actually worked really well. So, yeah, that's how I became part of Roxy Music for the next six, seven months or so. Mm. Wow. Now, now, when you when you play with Band Company, I know you're filling in for Boz until uh, he got well. Now, when Boz passed, did you come back to fill in with them? Or? No, no. Well, well, what happened was, uh, in 92, when Foreign kind of fell apart, Lou went solo and was doing yeah. solo albums. And Mick, we tried we tried to do it with a new singer called Johnny Edwards for the Unusual Heat album. And, and it was good. He was very, very good. But it wasn't right. It wasn't how the band used to feel. Right. So I said to Mick, and what actually happened was Dennis Elliott, the drummer, said, I'm, I'm going to quit, Rick. I, I really can't do this. And he was the guy who really got me in the band. Mm. And I said, you know what? If you're not here, I don't want to do it anymore. So I called up Simon Kirk in Bad Company. And I said, Simon, what are you doing this year? Are you touring? He said, yeah, we're, gonna, we're just about to start a new tour. You know, in the States, I said, well, can I join? He said, sure. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> Next 10 years, I did back company. <laughs> wow. wow, wow. And it was and great. Was, I mean, lovely guys. When, was that when he was singing or when Roger was singing? No, it's when they had a guy called Brian Howe singing. They yeah, had Brian the Holy Water that. album out, and it was very successful. Mm. Uh, many years later, I got to work with Paul. So in my lifetime, I've had the pleasure of singing with Paul Rogers, playing with Paul Rogers, Steve Marriott from the Small Faces, and Lou Graham. I think three of the best, probably best rock gods, you know, singers in the, in the world, in my opinion. Oh, wow. yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Oh, hey, Joanne, we got a caller on the line, for a question for Rick. We got right. uh, see, Kirsten. Are you there, Kirsten? Here I am. Hi, Kirsten. Hello. How are you? Thank Thanks you. Good. Uh huh. Yeah. Hi, Kirsten. Hi. Thanks for being a fan with me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you're it's a sweetheart. You really are. You're so a nice you. lady. <laughs> My mom said to say hi to you. Uh, say hi to your mom from me. Yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. Are you doing good? Yeah, just yeah. staying home like I'm supposed to. Yeah, I'm going to how, how are you feeling? Good, good, good. What was your question, Kirsten? Yeah, did you want uh, to... Oh, boy, and I forgot what it was. Uh, what was your favorite um, Fauna song that you did with Fauna? What's my favorite song? Yes. Um, I would say probably one of the favorite songs of mine is Waiting for a Girl Like You. Uh-huh. Because when we started the Four album... That was the first track we cut at the Electric Lady Studios in New York. And it just fell into place. It was the second take we kept. And I really loved the way I played on that album, on that track. And the whole thing, I think it's a superb song. Unfortunately, uh-huh. it never quite got to number one. It got to number two, but Olivia Newton-John kept us off the top spot, huh. which was really annoying, but... We know it got to number two, but we did get a number one later with "I Want to Know What Love Is." So yeah, okay. uh huh. All right, Kirsten, well, you take you care, care, baby. Okay. I will. Thank you for calling, Kirsten. Take care. Oh. Rick, what was your involvement in the songwriting process with the? For, um, uh, uh, excuse me, with the band. Sorry. With with, with Foreigner. Yeah. Yeah, when I, you know the thing is, Lou and Mick 
wrote, obviously, nearly every song because they had a great partnership. Mm-hmm. They really did. And they just understood one another. You know, Mick would come up with a, a chord progression or a part on a piano, mm-hmm. and then Lou would think of a lyric line or or a, or a situation or a, something, a place or something, you know. Right. And from there, they would just work on it together. And believe you me, you don't mess with success when they're that good. Right, right. So we just let them go. I mean, you know, we've had so much amazing success with the songs they wrote. Right. I mean, I'm just looking at my wall right now, and it's almost embarrassing how many gold albums and platinum albums we've made. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's given people a lot of pleasure, and it's obvious now when I go out and do shows with the band how much people still love that music. It's right. just amazing. Right. I know. Well, that's why we do the show, too, so that uh, people can relate to the music that, uh, that they grew up with and love. And, you know, and the music today sucks, so you got to listen to something you love. So, you know, that's but, right. Yeah. You better do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Now, Foreigner, most real Foreigner fans know you as a rock band. So when, when uh, I Want to Know What Love Is came out, you had all these new fans that were into I Want to Know What Love Is, and they were expecting when they went to your concert, like a mellow type of thing, and then they got the rock thing. How did that yeah. translate? Did you guys did you guys dig that? Were you upset about that? I mean, because, you know, you were known for rock, and not I Want to Know What Love Is, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a, a bit of a weird period, especially with, you know, I Want to Know What Love Is, because suddenly down the front we had... Um, Ladies of a, an elderly age, so we say, coming to our concerts. And we right. would come on stage and be playing Dirty White Boy and stuff like that. Maybe and they were like, oh, my right. God, you know, this is not yeah. what we came to see. So, yeah, it was kind of weird. And I think it affected Lou quite a lot in some ways towards the the end of our period together initially. Because, you know, it, it really did, it just went from one extreme to the other almost. Right. It changed the fan base and the feeling at the shows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. I mean, phenomenal song. I mean, best song ever written of all time, for sure. Well, you know, sometimes when you get something that big and that successful, it does change things, and it really did. You know, wherever we went in the world, it was almost like people would start singing, I want an old one, love. It was, you know, and all that as you yeah, walked yeah. in the room. I got married to this. I did this and I did that, right. you know, which was great. It was really great. Don't get me wrong. We were, were very grateful for it, but right. it did change. It did change things for us. I, I thought it did. And it's funny because I was a huge Farner fan, still am. And it's like when I heard I Want to Know What Love Is, I was like, this isn't Farner. What the hell are they thinking? <laughs> 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 I love the song. Man. I know. It, we, it really was. It was uh, very... Without Lou's voice, I mean, it's nothing. I mean, you know, that's the whole feeling behind the song. I mean, his voice that transcends the whole song into making your hair stand up, you know. Yeah, I mean, when we were in the studio and we brought the choir in, the New Jersey uh, choir came over uh, to the studio at Ledger Ladyland, and we were putting them on, you know, we were taping them and listening to it back, and we suddenly realized this has just become a monster because it was so emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, it really did move you. And then they did the video for it as well, where we're sort of interacting with the the choir and, you know, you see the whole thing come together Mm -hmm. and and the meaning Mm -hmm. of it really becomes something too. So, yeah, it was a a wonderful moment to reach that number one spot, far before the album was number one. We were just on a roll. It was great, great times. uh, favorite bass song that you enjoy playing with Foreigner? Not favorite song, uh, just favorite bass, bass piece. Well, you know, that's a tough one. It really is. Because there's so many good songs. Mm, you know, it's like when we did Urgent, yeah. when we did things like that, which were different. It was really mm. a different direction. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we were working with Mutt Lang, who's, you know, great producer. Right. He really right. busted up. Balls. Is he still, is he still, still out there? Yeah, he's still out there. Yeah, he's around. You know, he did a lot of work with Shania, you know, when they were together oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, he, he was the one who instigated Jukebox Hero. He said, we need an anthem on this record, and we haven't got one yet. And he yeah. really got at Mick to come up with an idea for 
for yeah. Jukebox Hero. And oh, look what that turned into. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's oh, a great it's song. Yeah. Oh, it's powerful. Are you kidding? It's, it I mean, really you, is, yeah. You turn, that, you turn that up, oh, my God. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Oh, I mean, you can't not sing to it, you know. I mean, he pushed Lou to the limit on that. I mean, mm. it really was a tough vocal. I mean, to, he's screaming, basically, out there. Exactly. I mean, it's yep. in the key of E, and it's a high key to singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like but, that. But, um, you know, it, it did what it had to do. It became right. that thing, you know, made for... See, what happened was, after the Head Games album, <laughs> uh, some people thought we'd kind of lost it a little bit there, and they didn't like the cover, and some people didn't like this, didn't like that. You know, we were we were getting a little edgy, you know, because there was all this punk stuff going on in the UK, and, you know, the first single we had kind of, you know, with, you know, with Dirty White Boy and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, it was like different. Mm. So we thought, well, we've got to get back to where we really belong. And so that's why the four album took us nearly a year to make, because we did so many rewrites. It was unbelievable. It was exhausting. It was tiring. But in the end, it proved to be the right thing to do. Yeah, because it was the one that sold so many records. Yeah, yep, that's the one that really made you shine. It brought you guys out. And uh, Sure did. Hey, Rick. Yeah, Rick. uh, in the were you uh, involved with the stadium concerts in the eighties? Because uh, I remember yeah. going to see Foreigner, and I remember the, the, this big gigantic uh, blow up jukebox uh, coming out of yep. on the stage, and oh, yeah. uh, I think it was Junior Walker playing the sax on there. Is that right? On, yeah, Junior played sax on Urgent. Yes, we brought him down to the studio. Mick went out to a club in uh, Soho and, and saw Junior and the All Stars and said would you come by the studio later and, uh, you know, put some sax on a song for us? And he came by, and it took us a while to get him into the, the vogue where he, you know, where he, how he used to play back in the 60s. Mm, and it, right. it took a few takes to get him there, but we got it in the end. Mm. And I, I just uh, think it was, for me, one of the best solos ever. Right. How was uh, it like? Was it? How was it like playing those big stadiums with all these other, you know, uh, popular bands at the time? Because I think there were Flock of Seagulls was playing with you. Uh, I know Pat Benatar was on the thing. Blondie. Yeah. Uh, how was it yeah. like playing with all uh, these these big acts? Well, it was amazing because all through the eighties, we went out. We either had first we had Billy Squire opening for us, then we had like Joe Walsh opening for us. And then we had Brian Adams, you know, opening for us. Every show was sold out everywhere we went. It was just the best. And we ended up doing some huge shows. I mean, I remember in New Orleans, we did the Superdome. That was 90,000 people in there. That's an indoor wow. show. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was. It got so big. And in those days, of course, we were using, you know, all our amps on the stage and huge amounts of monitors on stage and... Nowadays, we use in-ear monitors, which is a whole right. different ballgame right. and much, much better for it. But I am now I have to wear hearing aids now because I've lost a lot of my hearing. We oh, were so loud. I bet. <laughs> what, did <you> do, <laughs> what did you do with uh, Roger Daltrey? What, kind of, what, what songs did you work on? Oh, I, well, I only worked with Roger on a couple of things, charity things mainly in London, you know, oh. where we would put something together to raise money oh. for beds for hospitals and things like that, with a guy called Richard Desmond, who owned the Daily Express, a newspaper in London. He was a very wealthy guy, and he he liked to play drums, so he would put things together. We'd we'd had uh, Roger Dolce, we'd have Lulu, all kinds of people involved, Mm. and we would just all do stuff from our our various bands we've been in. Roger, again, is is a great performer. You know, he's... uh, amazing guy but uh, mm-hmm. it's just nice to meet all these people who are your peers and you just think wow you know it's just nice to be part of it yeah and and a foreigner just came from and all the bands you just mentioned just uh, came from an era that was just phenomenal music at the time and yeah. i don't think we'll ever i don't know if we'll ever see that again you know well it's, it's 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 really weird that really nothing's come along to replace it which right. is odd in some ways. I mean, no, various new things have come along, but they, they haven't have. taken the place of the big rock bands from the 70s, no. 60s, 70s, 80s that no. still to this day are being played on the radio all over the country, all around the world. Right, right. So, you well, know, you know, it's... When, when you have these uh, 
60, 70-year-old men, record executives, uh, tell, you know, basically telling what these kids what they should listen to these days, and it's never going to change until they make the change, you know. I mean, once yeah. they make the change to the style of music and start accepting the, the rock bands again, rock will be back, and, you know. And unfortunately, know. you know, rock has become country now because you can't get a regular song other than it being country on or having tons of electronics with the, what they're using today on, on the radio nowadays. Yeah, I know. I mean, country just went into, they realized the strength of rock music, and they kind of went in that direction with it. Yeah. Which, you know, it was, it was, yeah. they've done really well. Yeah. But, you know, when, back in the 60s, 70s, when we were learning our trade, as it were, and, you know, the bands like The Who, The Small Faces, The Kinks, all these great bands that were coming out, we all wanted to be as good as them, the Beatles, the Stones, all these great bands. Right. So we had a great sort of, we had this great sort of people to look up to and try and learn our trade from, and that's what we wanted right. to do. We didn't try and, you know, you know, we did, didn't try to be so different. We just wanted to be really good at what we did. Right, right. Unbelievable. Now, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, now you and you and Kenny Jones, uh, did you work together before he um, went to? Yeah, uh, yeah. What happened was I joined the Small Faces in right, right after Roxy Music. In fact, it was '77, mm. and I knew that the Small Faces had kind of done a reunion, got they re-released Ichiku Park and another track called Lazy Sunday, which had you know been on the TV, and then I was literally. It was about 4.30 in the morning, and my phone rang. And I thought, oh, the hell can this be? And it was, of course, it was Steve Marriott on the phone. Now, Steve is one of the most irrepressible guys. I mean, he's full on, believe you me. He really is full on. And he just said, hey, Rick, hey, I'm in the studio, man. He said, I just, I just had an argument with Ronnie Lane, and he doesn't want to do this, but I want you to do it. And I said, Steve... You're talking about the small faces. This is someone I love. He said, I know you love. He said, but I want you to do it. Come to the studio now. I said, Steve, I'm in bed. I'm asleep, man. He said, well, we'll come tomorrow then. You know, wow. that's how Steve is. So I did. And, I mean, I'm about eight inches taller than those guys for a start. You know, mm. I'm 5'11". They're about 5'6 at the best. Mm. So anyway, I did go to the studio, and it was just Amazing. I mean, they're just so talented. Ian McCraggan, Kenny Jones, Steve Marriott. I mean, it was just wonderful. And we made two albums. We got a deal with Atlantic, and we did two albums. But Steve had kind of got into some very bad habits with one or two substances and things. And he really wasn't in too good a shape. So we, we gave it two years, and I said, you know, I think we should all go our separate ways. And that's what we did. Mac went off with the Stones. Can he join the Who? And I got the job with Foreigner. I mean, how bad is that? Mm. You know, I mean, and Steve ended up playing in pubs in London for the rest of his life until, unfortunately, he, you know, he came back from the States one night. He got drunk, went to bed with a cigarette, and the house burned down, and he died. Oh, God. It was tragic. Oh, So God. tragic. That's horrible. Really tragic. Horrible. St- I know it's horrible to say, but, but Steve was an amazing guy. I love him to death and always will. Yeah, that's that's definitely horrible. Oh, my God. But, I mean, in a way, it's funny how these things come about because the next thing I knew is, you know, I co-wrote Do You Feel Like We Do with Peter Frampton back in 72, where it was the first song we actually wrote together. Mm. And, uh, you know, by 76, he had this huge live album that was massive. In fact, I think it's the biggest-selling live album ever. Frampton Comes Alive, right? Yeah. Yeah, Frampton Comes Alive. So I said to Dave Gilmore, well, we used to call him Dave in those days. He likes to be called David Gilmore these days. um, So I said, David, (laughs) could you check with your your publishing people roughly what I'm owed? Because I said, you know, the the live version of Do You Feel Like We Do is 13 minutes long, which acts like two tracks. And there was another Mm. song called Doobie Wild that I helped co-write. So he said, yeah, I'll look into it. He came back to me about a week later. He said, Rick, we reckon you're owed about $100,000 right now. I said, are you kidding? He said, yeah, you better get your ass over to New York. So I did. I went to New York, went to Peter's management, a guy called D. Anthony. Mm. I said, D, I, I, you know, I co-wrote this song. And I think I'm owed some money. He said, Rick, there is no doubt about it. You're owed a lot of money. He said, but we're still doing the accounting. 
So he said, I'll tell you what I can do. I can cut you a check today for $35,000 and, you know, go, take it down to the bank, you know, where we, where we do our banking, and I'm going to write it out to cash for you. Oh. I, I mean, I had never seen that much money in my life. Yeah. This yeah. is back in, this is 79, you got to remember, you know? Yeah. So I went to the bank and I said, I have this cash check. The teller looked at me. He said, are you yeah. crazy? He said, you can't, this is New York. You can't go out in the street with $35,000. You'll, you'll get mugged, robbed, stabbed, mm. whatever. I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, we're going to put it in a safety deposit box, and you can go down there with a key and take out what you need as and when you need it. Mm. And not two days later, not only had I come into thirty-five grand, I two days later I heard that Mick Jones was looking to find a new bass player for Foreigner. Mm. So I found a guy who knew his number, I rang Mick up and said, Mick, is there any chance that I can come by and, re and uh, you know, try out with you guys? Because I love what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, my wife had turned me on to Feels Like the First Time a mm. couple of years earlier, and I said, wow, what a great song, what a great band. Yeah. So anyway, that's how that all came together in that one period. I mean, my life was just changing in front of my eyes. Nice. And, and what, uh, was the, what was the song that you were getting the uh, royalties on that you co-wrote? The uh, Do You Feel Like We Do? Oh, and do we wow. wow. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I still do. Very <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Oh, man. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I just, what a treat this has been for me and a pleasure, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and I appreciate it, you coming on and being so happy. And like you said, you were more than happy to jump on and help us, uh, you know, keep things normal. And I yeah, well, you know, I, I, in this uh, strange times that we're living through right now, I think all of us have got to try and bring our spirits up when we can. Yeah. And that's what I'm here for. I mean, I love what I do. I love my job. I love the music. Mm -hmm. And yeah. anything I can do to help, and I wish everybody a safe and very, you know, be careful. Don't, you know, interact with people if you can't help it. And just do what you got to do. I mean, I'm staying home as much as I can. I really am. Yeah. Yes. Well, Rick, John, you have anything else for Rick? Cause I'm, I'm. No, I, I'm just I'm amazed involved. at all the different bands that you've been in. It's just amazing, Rick. Yes, <laughs> I could go on for ages, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't mind, so you know. But listen, Rick, thank you so much. Rick Wills from Farner, uh, just fantastic. Thank you. It was a lovely conversation. It was a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, would love to have you back. I mean, I don't think anybody would mind that because you've got tons to say. So, and, oh, Joanne, uh, thank you. And John, thank you both so much. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Thank you, Rick. And thank you. I just wish everybody a healthy, safe future. You know, let's get, let's, let's get through this thing. We will, and thank you so much, Rick. It was a pleasure. You take care and stay safe and healthy. Okay, good night. Bye -bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, very nice. Bye, honey. Oh, that was so nice. Oh, what a guy, huh? That's an amazing Don? career. Amazing. I'm here. Oh, God, amazing I know. Amazing career. Yeah, My I mean, uh, the, list, the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, these guys, they're, they're not young, you know, and they're still playing, and they're doing great. So, anyway, we had a – I had a treat. I know I did. I hope our listeners did. And uh, it was always a pleasure to have any of our guests on because uh, it's always a thrill for me because these are people that I've looked up to as influences in the music for me too so i mean i know john you know as a musician you must uh really enjoy these too so but uh well, it, it's kind of strange talking to these people that you know you just listen to their records and now right? i'm talking to them it's like it's just absolutely amazing and it's so cool right you know oh yeah so. Yeah, so Wednesday, we have on, we have B.B. Buell coming on Wednesday, April 1st, and Rick Levy, he's uh, the, uh, he's everything. He, he, he's the band co conductor, coordinator of so many bands. He's with the, the Box Tops, and uh, so that's going to be an interesting evening, too, and I can't wait for that. But uh, thank you to our listeners, our guests. John, thank you. I love you. 
our sponsors, the Hive Bar and Bistro in Garfield, New Jersey, Precious Memory Video in Kittnersville, Pennsylvania, KWV Wines in South Africa. John, did, oh, I forgot to mention that our, we had our prize tonight. Ah, crap. Oh, no pun intended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well I'll, I'll announce her name. It was Penelope Woodbush. She wound up winning the square of shopping toilet paper, and we will be bailing it to, in the post office. Uh, thank you, Penelope, uh, and uh, congratulations on winning that. And right yes. now, I, I believe the square of shaman toilet paper is now going for $12,000, so you made that pretty good. Good job, Penelope. Penelope Woodbush, <laughs> real nice, Penelope. Yep. Thanks, for, thanks for calling, <laughs> and you are the winner of our one sheet of Charmin, and we hope you use it sparingly and wisely <laughs> and in good health. <laughs> but uh, I actually posted on Facebook today that I was giving away tickets to uh, concerts and shows saying, uh, stay home and sit on your couch. <laughs> That was funny. So I forgot about the toilet paper. So anyway, well, uh, thank you all so much. It's always a pleasure to be here. We appreciate it. And believe it or not, after this, I got to do this, uh, uh, I don't know if it's an interview per se, but it's a bunch of guys that have been brought together uh, from uh, who have shows as well, um, their own podcast radio shows, and they are calling it Coast to Coast. Power Hour, and it's a five of us tonight. They asked me; I, I was I'm so elated to be asked. Thank you so much uh, to join them. I have no idea what we're going to be discussing. Um, I hope we don't talk about Trump. I will say that, uh, <laughs> but I don't know what we'll be talking about. But uh, uh, yeah, that's tonight. I'll be uh, doing that in a few minutes. Actually, I got to do. Uh, we're recording it, and it'll air April first on. I guess I'll let you know. I don't know where it'll be airing um, off the top of my head, but uh, that's going to be amazing. So uh, very interested in that. That's pretty exciting. So, but uh, yeah, no, we thank you all, and uh, we will see you on April first. April Fools, no joke uh, for you. Uh, but we will have BB Buell and Rick Levy. So join us then, and uh, everybody stay safe and healthy, and stay home and. We need you around. We want you to listen to us. So hang in there. Everything's going to be okay. And uh, just do what you can. It's going to be okay. It'll be over before you know it. The sooner we listen and stay home, the less it spreads, and the sooner it's over. You know? Right, John? I don't know. That's right. You're absolutely right. All right. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you on Wednesday. All right, Johnny boy. Have a good one, honey. I'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.